Hey, it's Brian House, and you're listening to the Work For It podcast. Our primary focus is business in the workshop. And if you want us to see and discuss your work, use the hashtag WFI Projects on Instagram, and we will shout you out and your projects. Did you know you can support our work for as little as $1 a month or $12 a year? Go to patreon.com forward slash work for it to find out more. $12 a year? That's like a burrito. I love burritos. Brian, hey now, hey now, hey now. Don't record this. Come on, I'm warming up. <laughs> you think the want, 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 wahs come out of nowhere? I, I hit the I hit the record button because it was funny. I just picked up my headphones and all I heard was trombone. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. All right. What's happening, everybody? You're listening to the Work For It podcast. That's right. Whatever day of the week it is that you're listening to this, it's going to be a really great working week and a really great podcast because it's just the Triple B podcast this week. It's Brian, Brian, and Ben. Or is it Ben, Brian, and Brian? Or is it Brian, Ben, and Brian? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, who knows, I don't know. Speaking of, where the hell's Ben? I thought he was supposed to be here. <laughs> to be fair, well, we are we five can, minutes early, and he's normally five early. minutes late, so, you know. We are early, and that's okay, because um, I actually wanted to chat it up with you just quickly, Brian, because um, being that you're a, uh, well, let me, I, I have a question for you before I get into all that. Do you like drama? Ah, uh, you know, I I can't say that I do. I try to stay away from drama as much as possible, but you know, a fun story is a fun story. I guess. I mean, I guess the question is, do you like? Um, I guess you have to boil it down to what your definition of drama is. You know, like we right. grew up in an era of reality television, right? Where there's right, yeah, synthesized drama. You know, these producers. You know, Jerry Springer, Howard Stern. They were the um, Sort of the the genesis, the guys that brought this to <laughs> the us. guys that stirred the shit as much as possible for our entertainment. The brilliance behind their minds when they created this. I mean, they were able to tap into the human psyche and trick us all into watching real people argue about stupid things. And um, I absolutely love drama, Brian. I am Do you? a drama king, buddy. So. I, Soak it up. Okay, so maybe I, I might be on the same track as you here. So I have never been one of those like watching those trashy MTV type, you know, drama shows. But I love Survivor, <clears throat> like the the drama right. and the game of Survivor that just, you know, really, really is fun to me. But, you know, me when it comes too. to like those TV dramas like Jersey Shore or any shit like that, eh, that's not for me. See, yeah, there's a definite line in the sand. You know, Survivor falls on the side that I'm into because I think there's, you know, some of that's manufactured drama, but a lot of it isn't, and it's really solid, good television. There's other shows out there like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette that I try to watch because Sarah watches it, and I just I can't get into it, right? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. And then there's, like, shows like like, uh, Temptation Island, right, which is kind of like 
a free for all. Let's like throw a bunch of people on an island in a big expensive house and just dump alcohol all over it oh, and just Jesus. see what happens, right? And see how many that, babies come out. Exactly. That <laughs> is actually right down my alley. Like I love that stuff. Depravity. Okay. Like just all just right. just the human element just exposed for everything that it is. And people, young people in particular, young, beautiful people making really poor choices. Uh, I really love that because I just uh, it's great television. But the reason I ask you this question mm-hmm. is because you and I are competitors this week. Hey, in there it is. The largest challenge on YouTube knife maker challenge, the dagger challenge of 2022 yes, from the from the. Hive mind that is Dennis Terrell and Aaron Lee. Mm-hmm. They have come up with this fantastic sort of mix of makers who are all kind of just set out to do one thing and then compete. Mm-hmm. It's a gauntlet. We are yeah. in the arena. Dude, and I am it's... feeling it, buddy. I mean, I am <laughs> feeling. And by the way, I'm only feeling it because I've actually completed the task. And <laughs> I was going to say, I'm you literally done. finished yesterday, didn't you? <laughs> I was freaking gluing shit up yesterday. Oh, my God. Uh, man, but brutal. I am that guy, though. I, like, finished the project, like, like, the night before kind of thing. So just so just so everyone else is aware, on the 15th, so today is the, uh, the 14th. You're listening to this on the 14th. So tomorrow there oh is God. going to be <laughs> 20 <laughs> videos released into the oh. ether on YouTube. Is it 20 or 19? I thought it was 19. I thought we gained a, somebody. I know oh. we dropped one and then gained one. So maybe 19 or 20, possibly, of knife makers coming together to compete in a friendly, friendly, somewhat friendly competition of building a dagger. Mm-hmm. And Brian and I have a window, and we, we have VIP seats because we're sitting in the back room looking at all the work. We now right. know... I think we've Who's I've made seen what? at least 10 of the knives. Yeah, I've seen at least 10 of them. And holy shit, buddy. This <laughs> is gonna be good because It's gonna be intense the, for sure. You there's know, so when they many, started this, go ahead, Brian. There's so many fantastic makers and everyone is so damn talented that it's just like, you know, if you like this kind of dagger, th- there's already like the best version of that. If you like this kind of dagger, there's the best version of that. I think that yeah. what's amazing is that there's so many different knife makers doing it and, you know, the diversity of types of daggers, let alone the style and the make and the everything is just so incredibly well done that I mean, you're going to see a little bit of everything out there. If you if you think of the word dagger and you can come up with like 20 different dagger designs, there's at least one of each out there. Not, yeah, none of them really look that similar. They all yeah, have the that's same the four part. bevels and all that. Yeah, that. I mean, but they're all different and their approaches are different. And it's from all corners of the freaking world these yeah. daggers are coming yeah. out of, which I am... I am a little jealous of what Dennis and Aaron have created. I mean, their idea, their concept to bring this together, it's brilliant, man. It's just like Jerry Springer and just like Howard Stern. They have turned knife making, which was sort of becoming mainstream on YouTube, into what we all love, and that is drama, baby. Drama and competition. (laughs) We're all like, yeah, but here's the thing. On the sidelines, we're all very friendly with each other. Oh, for sure. But I wouldn't put it past any of these guys 
to simply slit each other's throats in <laughs> an arena with the very knives that they have made during hey. this process. So make sure that on Friday night you don't have anything else going on because you have hours, and I mean hours, of great content coming live, coming at you on YouTube. 4-15-2022. Yes. All right. Yes, All right. Sir. Got that off my, my chest, Brian. Whew. Man, I'm excited for this, though. Man, Dude, I cannot I've, wait. I've been done with my dagger for about a month and a half now. So, like, I've been waiting for so freaking long to release this video. Actually, I just, my video guy just got the final draft to me last night. I haven't even watched my final video yet. I am just so fucking ready. I just want this mm. thing to be released. You haven't watched it. No, you haven't I haven't. watched the whole thing. No, I haven't. No, I have not. I'm, <clears throat> One I'm, of the I'm, I'm almost thinking about not watching it before I post it because Ooh, I have that much. It. Well, you know, I have, I have that much trust in my video guy. I know that he's yeah. good at what he does. But I almost want that little sense of drama to my like myself. Yeah, I agree. I think that could that's a risky but bold move. And I think <laughs> that you should you should try. Yeah. No, I trust Kyle. He does a great job. Yeah. And yeah, I, yes. I would say, you know, you remember what you did in the video. You weren't like, you know, I mean, as far as I know, you weren't. You know, <laughs> well, weird. I mean, I did voiceovers for it. So I've I've seen like a uh -huh. version of it, but I haven't seen like the final version. I uh, see. The the one saving grace of me of finishing the knife the day before it was due was that I edit as I go. So, you know, if I'm I've got like the glue up to do, I've got to sharpen and buff and, you know, whatever else, just the, the fit and finish stuff. I had already had most of the video finalized at that point. So, it okay. was you know, that's my that's my workflow. I have a machine in my workshop that I just as I'm shooting. I do a camera dump into that machine and then I take that and I edit it and do a rough edit and then I kind of like tweak it down over time. So I'm really proud of my video. I actually wanted to talk a little bit about my mindset during the initial phases of the of the build. I was going through a little bit of a dark period, like emotionally. I was just feeling, you know, I always get like the late in the winter blues for whatever reason, because I was born in the you Midwest. You live in Florida. Well, what I, are you, you know, talking I, about? True. You get this the midwinter blues. It's 70 degrees. Late winter blues. But yes, no, it, it, here's the thing. I've always thought I've been here for 20 years. I always thought that I would outgrow that um, sort of seasonal affected disorder where like late in the year you, you know, and when I lived in Illinois, man, like February, March was terrible months for me because I just did, you know, Illinois, you don't see the sun a lot. I'm sure you feel the same way in Michigan. It's, it's, it's kind of a gray, a cold, you know, place. Mm -hmm. And um, just in those months, but it's like, I have never outgrown it. I lived there until I was 26. So, you know, I, I, that was in my DNA, you know, from jump. So, uh, I still get it down here. And a lot of people were reaching out to me and, you know, Brian, I hope you're OK. And, you know, I'd made some, you know, very transparent posts about uh, sobriety and all of that, because during this period, I give up all substances. I just stopped drinking alcohol, you know, because it's a depressant. I just didn't want to add another layer. And everybody's like, oh, it's so great that you're getting sober. It's like, no, look, I'm not an alcoholic. It's not right. that. It's just but I did want to talk about sobriety because I started thinking about it. And uh, Jimmy Duresta, for instance, he's like a, he touts that like he's like, look, I don't smoke pot. I don't drink. I don't you know do anything. You know, work is my 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 drug of choice. His and um, yeah. 
And uh, and I I really love and respect Jimmy. So it's like, well, you know, he's got a point. Like, I want to find out what it's like to just remove all of that for a while and see where I, where it takes me. I've never been more productive, to be honest. I, I feel great. So I'm going to I'm going to ride the wagon for a while, you know, uh, and see what happens. You know? Yeah, I mean, I I'm also kind of on that. I mean, you know, I, I very, very rarely drink. And, you know, I've, I haven't done, you know, actual drugs <laughs> like that's that's just never been a thing in my in my I thought you were life. like a regular methamphetamine. user. Oh, yeah. Like, you uh, don't... It, right. Sorry. I forgot about the math. That counts. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's uh, you smoking yeah. crack and stuff like oh, that. Okay. I would say yeah. that that's a drug, Brian. You should probably <laughs> stop doing. No, that. no, no. Come on now. But yeah. So <laughs> like that's that's never been a thing in my life. So like I've. I don't know. I've I've always felt, you know, very productive, clear minded and about everything. I could have swore just... I saw a tooth fall out every once in a while. Like while I was talking to you on <laughs> FaceTime. On. Like just a come just on a, now. Like one come of the front on. four teeth just falling out for no reason. That's a very that's <laughs> that's indicative of somebody who uses a lot of methamphetamine. Okay. All right. Well <laughs> I'm I'm a doctor that also gets high on meth. Okay. All right. You're prescribing yourself. <laughs> Oh, this is ridiculous. Uh, but uh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you, we, we have to start to, especially as you get older, you look at this like your your habits. Right. And my habits over time, it would be that I would come home every night and have a glass of wine. I mean, it mm-hmm. was just like that's how I unwind. I would do my little unwinding technique from the day. And I started, you know, every morning I'd start waking up a little more tired or a little more of a hangover. Oh, I thought you were going to say up. I wake up and drink a glass of wine, get to work, Ah, bring another glass of wine. Yeah. I wake up and I grab the crack pipe. I smoke a little crack, take some Adderall, you know, and then I'm I'm out the door. Even yourself out. Exactly. I I feel like when you when you remove substances that numb the senses, you get a chance to go backwards in time to kind of like see the world like you did when you were younger. So if that makes sense, because I for the longest time, I was starting to feel kind of old. Now, that sounds Joints. like a bad mushroom trip. Are you sure you're not? You know, it does. It <laughs> you does, get, you get sober and you're you're looking back in time. Well, it's almost like you're uh, like, for instance, like as you're older, like I'm in my mid 40s, you know, you wake up in the morning and your bones are creaking and, you know, you can't think straight. And, you know, there's a bunch of things that start to happen to you that you're like cognizant of, but you can't do anything about it. And I started thinking like, you know what, I'm going to go on the elimination diet, which is, you know, just try to remove some of the things that might be clouding my judgment or whatever. And alcohol was one of them. So I decided, okay. you know what, man, like I feel like that was a good choice. I, it sucked going through it because, you know, um, you don't realize like how dependent you are on that on that uh, ritual every night. Like it's a thing where, you know, having a glass of wine, sitting outside, doing whatever. That was like a ritual for me. And um, I had to replace that ritual with something else. So I started working a little more like, you know, but not like like packing parts or anything like that, but just, you know, spending more time in my workshop, you know, doing Mm -hmm. projects like uh, got the lathe out and I started working on the lathe, which I used in the dagger challenge. And, um, you know, it was things like that. I hadn't turned anything on a lathe when I got that lathe from Scott. It was kind of like a bonus tool that he was looking to get rid of. He, um, I was really wanting to buy the mill, and he's like, "I got this old lathe. It's in pieces, you know, uh, you know, put it together, whatever." And he dropped it off. Well, it was so heavy I couldn't pick it up, so it just sat on a cart for like almost a year. 
And then um, about six months ago, I, you know, got it up off the cart and put it on a table and, you know, kind of rebuilt it and put a motor on it and all that. I'm turning wood now. I'm having a blast. I mean, it's such a fun thing to have a little lathe like that. Watching your videos that you put up on Instagram and all the social medias, like just seeing you turn wood on the lathe or whatever you're turning on the lathe, it looks like you're like having such a like, first of all, you're having a blast, but it looks like it's like absolutely restorative to you in some way. Like it's, it's something you did back in the day and all of a sudden it's just like, you know, it seems like you're going down memory lane when you're, you know, when you're, you know, working on that lathe. It's it's awesome to see. It's really awesome to see. Thank you. And it, it, you're exactly right. I, I appreciate that you got that sense from that because that's true. That's very accurate. I actually uh, was on the Making Our Way podcast uh, with Austin, Dean, and Jacob. And um, Christy couldn't make it, but it was a great show. We had an awesome time. And I don't know if you know Austin from High Caliber, but he, he does uh, pen turning. He makes like pens out of all kinds of things, mostly ammunition and other things like that. But he does a lot of lathe work. Well, you know, I didn't know much about Austin. I I didn't really, I followed his work and I knew who he was, but I just didn't like really connect with his work until I pulled my lathe out. In fact, probably subconsciously after being on the podcast with him and doing kind of a dive. So whenever I do a podcast like that, where I go on a show, I kind of want to dig into the people who are I'm talking with. Mm-hmm. And I started looking at Austin's work and what well, by, by you digging in, do you mean like having your secretary, Sarah dig through it or <laughs> well, she does the initial digging and then okay. I get the, right. I get the right. data and then I kind of, it must be it nice. It's very nice. <laughs> it is very nice. I love my wife and she does an awesome job at that. And um, so when I started seeing him, turning all these pieces on his lathe I was like you know that would be killer for the dagger challenge and so uh I pulled the lathe out blew all the dust off of it got the motor functioning you know wired it up put a VFD on it and all that and that led to Austin and I becoming uh you know friends you know we're talking now on a daily basis this is why I love this freaking community because at every turn there's somebody there who is doing similar work, who will help and talk you through something and and be your friend and be your confidant, and it's awesome. So uh, I just want everybody to know, if you if you listen to the Work For It podcast, you're definitely going to want to start listening to the Making Our Way podcast as well. It's really a great podcast. It's well done. I, I, was, I hadn't had a ton of um, experience with those guys, and... And I'll tell you, I was shocked at how fun it was and just such a great time. And and now I'm like a weekly listener. So there you uh, go. They, they definitely uh, did a great job. So anyway, enough stroking the shafts of the boys and girls over at the, uh, <laughs> at the Making Our Way podcast. We, I appreciate you guys so much. And they've also done a great job of cross-promoting the podcast even weeks after it's aired, which I wow. find fantastic. I just think it's such an awesome thing that they're doing that and I, I don't have the like the mental capacity for it unless I'm doing it on our own podcast which by the way I wanted to tell you Brian how much I loved having James Fleming on last week yeah that was such a great conversation I enjoyed every bit of it the feedback I got from that show was like more than I've ever gotten yeah I'd agree ever. I'd agree I got so um, many people reaching I'm out I'm amazed that like you know 
I love the fact that our listeners will listen to it and then they'll they'll message us and be like, hey, I love this part or hey, you know, it was it was a cool conversation. Just that little bit of feedback just I mean, that that amps me up every time. It sh- as, as it should, because somebody took the time and we forget about this in modern social media times about somebody taking the time to write something to us. Yeah, because back in the day you had to like get out a pen and paper and like, you know, put a stamp on a, on an envelope and send that <laughs> shit off. Now you can just, you know, talk into your phone. It'll transcribe it and send it off. So the, some of that value perceived value is lost. Here's what I'll tell you. If somebody tells you something that f- is from their heart in a DM or a message or something, it, it's important to to recognize it and understand it and, and appreciate it. So uh, if you got something out of that show, make sure you tell James yourself. Go to his Instagram page, Wasteland underscore Forge, and uh, make sure you tell uh, James that you like the show and the, that uh, you appreciate his work because that that you told me. I know you guys told me, and I appreciate that, but send it to James too. So Yeah. So switching gears a little bit, I know you've been, you know, kind of balls to the wall with finishing up the dagger challenge and, you know, turning wood on the lathe. Is there anything else he did in the shop this week? This week? Um, creatively, no. The dagger was the was it pretty much. Um, I am now, uh, other than that, I went into, um, a couple years ago, I designed a secondary tracking access uh, mechanism for the Revolution Grinder. I yeah. abandoned the process because of the... Uh, I didn't feel like it was a necessity for the machine. And um, I had a, like a little bit of an epiphany about it. And, you know, some some of the people who use the revolution had asked me over the years, will I bring it back? You know, Brian, will you look at that again? You know, bring it back, whatever. And my answer was always, well, if you tune the grinder correctly. Right. You don't need it. You know, and I and I have a video out there that's extensive on tuning the revolution. So it runs in forward and backwards. A classic example of this is Justin Miller from Florida man forge. One of my favorite people on planet earth. He, uh, when, when I built his revolution for him, I threw a belt on it. And when I hit that forward button and then switched it to reverse, he was like dumbfounded that it actually tracked, you know, both directions. And, um, with a, just a rudimentary hinge, you know, it's, there's nothing much to it and simpler mm-hmm. is better. And, you know, the cost of doing something like a secondary access mechanism is significant in my head, like the whole grinder it, without motor and VFD. And this one part is like, you know, a fifth of the cost. So it just is Whoa. to me, didn't make sense. Wow. I didn't realize time. that that would be so expensive. Well, I mean, I didn't flesh it out enough. And I, you know, the thing about that is, is that I was buying expensive parts from McMaster car, which I don't have to do. And, you know, it's, <laughs> I need to make it cheaper, you know, but speaking it's just of, easy. Speaking of, I have learned that lesson. <laughs> oh, <laughs> buying, yeah. buying some materials from McMaster car is not the cheapest way to do things. <laughs> they get it to you awful fast though. I mean, you know, you, oh, yeah. you order next, it, it's there. Damn near day, next day. Know? Right. Yeah. Which I love. And, and so when you're doing prototyping work, Hey, it's awesome. I can like just uh, send a, a request off to these guys. They send it to me or whatever, order it on the website, and they they send me the parts that I need, and it's almost always correct. I never yeah. have an issue. So that's why you pay for you know you pay a premium for that. But you that's not a production level piece of hardware. No, and that's where I sat with it, and I abandoned it, and I thought you know what, if you want to make your own, you can make your own. Well, you know, over the course of time, somebody had messaged me and said, look. Not everybody can fabricate like you. 
Right. You know, so that's the that's the difference between you building the revolution, which you've done hundreds of times, versus me, who I've built it one time, and maybe my you know thing is not quite straight, or I you know I did something wrong. That was the argument that got well, me off. I mean, my just ass. think of it. Just think of it in this frame of reference. If I were to buy a revolution, being a person who's only I've never welded anything in my entire life. If I bought a revolution and bought a cheap welder from Harbor Freight, I guarantee you this thing is not going to track straight. Like there's no freaking way. So, I mean, this secondary Uh, tracking mechanism could be the saving grace for me. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And it's a powerful little device. What it does is it skews the wheel, you know? So like that tracking wheel at the top of your grinder has like a crown on it. Right. And, and how most tracking systems work is it tilts that crown. So it, if you can imagine what it's doing is it's tilting that that uh, um, that wheel to the point where that crown starts shifting left to right. And that's actually how the the, the belt tracks over the platen left to right. 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 Well, when you, when you get to a point where that doesn't allow for any more adjustability, then you're kind of stuck. You have to now start making other adjustments the secondary tracking mechanism, what it does, instead of it moving that uh, that rounded crown left or right, it skews it left mm. or right. So now yeah. the rear of that crown is moving left. The front of that crown is moving right. So it takes that belt and goes, hello, and it just puts it right where it wants to go. Yeah. And uh, but to achieve that in both axes, both the primary and secondary axes is not a simple feat. It is you have to to get the proper tensioning. You have to have make sure that, you know, everything is aligned initially when you assemble the device. There's a lot that goes into that. And people look at it and they go, it's a simple turnbuckle. That's all it is. Yes, it is a simple turnbuckle. But if you don't have enough threading on both left hand and right hand threads, I'm not going to bore you with the details. It's <laughs> a lot of engineering yeah. that makes that happen. So I approached this project. I was sitting at home on a Saturday night. There was a uh, a, a baby shower being held in my house the next day. <laughs> so there was there was women everywhere, everywhere running around balloons and and uh, flowers in my house. And I'm just sitting with my headphones on, like a like a good husband, going, "Okay, go just." Oh, you want me to hang that sign? Sure, one second. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I believe it or not, they did all the work. Uh I didn't have to do much. It was it was great. So and then, uh, but anyway, that's what I've been working on in the show. So Brian, I mean that that's a really cool. You know, you you got to revive this project. You know, pretty much from you know what was probably the the trash not the trash heap that that's a little bit too much but like that was that was something on not the back burner but like the back back burner and i love the fact that you're able to revive it to you know better your product yeah um so ben what's going on in your shop this week man i just just got on i apologize i'm i'm late i'm not i'm welcome to the show (laughs) you know when you're used to getting up at five and the one day you oversleep the alarm by like 20 minutes, your whole day is just, well, I shouldn't say that. I've been awake for an hour and a half, but <laughs> it feels like my whole day is just effed, you know? Anyway. You sound tired. You, you sound like you need a cup of really strong it's coffee. sitting right here, brother. It's, it's good, about to good. go down right, my, cool. my uh, mouth hole. <laughs> Man, things are good. Uh, been watching the tracking thing, and it 
it makes me think of that quote, and I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it was like where Picasso, and I don't think it's actually true, but you know, it's like somebody says, uh, you're actually paying for the 20 years it took me to learn how to do this, you know, mm, <laughs> it's kind of the yeah. essence of it. You know, it's like, you're not, you're not paying for the final product. You're paying for all the time it took me to figure out how to make a freaking tracking mechanism, you know, because at the surface it is a couple of turnbuckles and, you know, looks like you said, fairly simple, but without all the ducks being in a row behind the scenes and all the experience you have, it's no longer a simple task, you know? So without that, those years of experience, you know, I ordered the parts on Saturday night. They arrived Monday morning from McMaster and by lunch on Monday, I had it done for the most part. But then this is my favorite part about this is that I released the video of me showing how it works. And somebody goes, well, hey, w- what about, you know, adding just another, yeah. you know, piece to that end instead of that other fabricated part? Boom. Went, yeah. Boom. Let's try yeah. that. And then whole new, bang. It, right. And how much different. better is it? Well, it's it's it does the same job. Here's 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 what it does. It does the exact same job, but it makes it 10 times as easy to release yeah. it because there there's no fabrication, really custom fabrication needed at all. This could be done with a very simple you know, two or three pieces. Whereas before it was like five pieces. Now it it made it more expensive to do it this way. But what I've learned is that people will do it that way because it's easier because they value their time over their money. Simplification. Simplification is always always. the best way to go. Always. If it's easier, if it's less parts, less, less parts to fail, it's just going to work better. Yeah. And yep, we've yep, talked I about agree. it before on the show, right? Where it's it, it, what you're essentially doing. And, and I think you've said it before. It's not that people couldn't do it. It's the time it would take to research all of it. Right. And so even just pouring over the McMaster car website to find the right hardware, people don't have the freaking time, you know? And so, so the value that you're providing on some respects is you've done that work. You've found the perfect part. You know, you buy it off the shelf and it saves everybody time and now money and gets them a better product. It's cool. It's so cool. I'm Speaking open. of better I mean, products, Ben, yeah. how's the, how are those aprons going? Aprons are going well. Still working on... I, I'm tempted to let the cat out of the bag, but I'm working on a, ooh, a ooh. custom apron. Get out of the bag? Yeah. Maybe the shark out of the bag would be a better, uh, oh, a better ooh, ooh. Oh, this sounds juicy. Wow. This is what... You missed you know, this part of the show in the beginning, ooh. but I love drama, Ben. You like so drama? The, you'll you'll hear it when it airs. Ooh. So bring us the drama. So the drama, bring us the leather, yeah, drama. So uh, a well-known knife maker in our circle, well-known, reached out to me and had a few questions about the aprons, and uh, particularly the difference between the two models that I have on my website. There's not a huge difference. The sizing's the same. Uh, for all intents and purposes, they're very similar aprons with the exception of color and maybe a few small features. The, the Alfred is the more loaded version. Uh, you know, the Dark Knight Batman motif is the more loaded version of the apron. And then the, uh, the Fitzgerald is a simpler, uh, more just utility straightforward kind of a deal. But I I said to well-known knife maker, 
uh, I believe that you deserve more than what I've got on the site currently. Would you be interested in uh, in designing something a little more particular for your needs? And he was into it. So we are. It's uh, I I need to get back to him today actually, but been searching particularly for a, a specific color of leather, which I think is going to really set this one apart. And then I've been working on some uh, features and just some design cues that tie in to some of the materials that he uses quite a bit. And so okay, that's coming. Uh, it's moving a little slow, honestly, because I'm, I'm having a hard time finding Michigan-made leather. <laughs> ben, you should be you should be looking for Idaho oh, made leather. Come Jesus. on, buddy. <laughs> I got that wrong. No, um oh, I actually my reached, God, that's out, reached out to uh, <laughs> reached out to my friends over at Wicket and Craig uh last night and uh inquired as to whether or not they had a particular color of apron or of leather rather. And so once I can source some leather, then we're gonna get moving on the darn thing. But Got a few other things cooking too. We got a box from our buddy Lawrence yesterday. Yeah, I saw that video. Phenomenal, man. Um, so I got a couple of bars of copper and brass, quarter inch bar stock. What is it? Quarter inch by inch and a half by twelve inches long. Brass and copper, and then I got a few sheets of sheet stock, and so my plan is to play around with it on the shop bot more or less i'm gonna actually try today to carve a little branding iron slash leather stamp out of the brass Ooh, uh, there you go that'll be fun which i like this. yeah and then as i progress i'm gonna i'm gonna share it on my youtube channel and i'm gonna use a few simple projects leading up to a knife build and uh so starting with carve a branding iron out of brass just to start learning feeds and speeds and how the hell it cuts on the on the shop bot and then maybe progress to another thing you know another simple or simple project but a little more advanced and talk about work holding and uh that kind of thing there's a lot of content out there on machining brass not a lot of not a lot on copper um but not a lot of it goes into much technical detail either. So I hope to share things like feeds and speeds and how fast the bit's spinning compared to how fast the gantry's moving, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. I also think that it's a winner idea just because, you know, if you take a shot butt cutting on something and put it in slow motion, mm. it just is so damn pretty. Especially you when... You just want to watch that stuff. It really stuff. is. When you're machining really brass... It, the, the cool thing about the shot bot, so a lot of folks might see um, like the Onefinity is now a pretty popular CNC machine for hobbyists. Um, there's the X-Carve, there's uh, the Shape Hoko, those kinds of things. Um, those all typically use a trim router. So they're, you know, a small router, not even a full-sized router, just a small router that you may or may not be able to control the speed of the bit. Some have that functionality, some don't. Um, the, the ones that do, you don't have that fine grain of uh, control. And you also don't have that uh, low of a low end speed. 
my shop bot mm. can go down to 6,000 RPMs, um, which is pretty, pretty rare. And then it can go up on the high end to like almost 20,000 RPMs. So that works out really well for machining non-ferrous. So you can slow the bit down and then I can just crawl around the brass, you know, at like 12 inches a minute or something crazy, just move really slowly. And then, uh, I'm tooling up, be working with bits and bits, which is a, a CNC bit. Uh, I, I don't think they're necessarily a manufacturer, but they they have a special sauce that they spray on these bits. That's a coating that makes them, you know, more slippery and and allows them to last longer. So, working with this bits and bits company to they're going to send over some bits for machining non-ferrous metals and. Yeah, uh, uh, like so much has come together in the past week. It's pretty pretty crazy, honestly. So, the the build up to knife you making, you know. Do you feel like um, Lawrence over at uh, Maritime Knife Supply he facilitated this? Because I know we yeah. we kind of came up with the idea to an extent bit, for sure. He, yeah, I mean, he was the one. It was that the availability, you know. It. And I think that's um, here. Okay. The, here's the scenario, right? I'm a woodworker. I know jack all about metal, metal fabrication, anything like that. Any new beginner woodworker will tell you the most frightening experience is walking into a hardwood lumber store, right? Because you're walking yes. into like the fucking moose club or, you know, the elks and everybody <laughs> looks like the, the record stops and screeches and everybody's like, who the fuck are you? What do you want? You know, and then you start realizing things like, why the hell does lumber come in four quarter increments instead of just one inch thick? You know, why do I have to buy eight quarter? Why can't I buy two inch thick fucking wood? And the same thing happens with steel and and metal, right? I don't know the language. I don't know the lingo. I don't know the first thing about all I wanted was a damn piece of aluminum, a piece of brass, a couple of sheets of it so I could start fucking around on a cnc machine and going to maritime there it was you know it's like holy shit this is so damn simple i can just order this shit up i know exactly what size it is i know exactly what i'm getting and it'll be here in a couple days bam done yeah he uh so when i brought him the idea or he listened to it on the podcast then we started discussing it privately but yeah um, we <clears throat> so I asked him, you know, hey, like, would you be open to that? He says I'm open, and uh, and then he basically took a box like the size of like a maybe like you know five shoe boxes yeah. and just chucked it through everything he could think of that we could use to make this knife build happen. Plus, he threw mm-hmm. in coffee, coffee cups, that, swag, yeah. some tools. <clears throat> Brian, some tools for you. Nice. Uh, yeah. yeah. So there's there's a little care package coming to both of you from me uh, via, via uh, Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah. And uh, so I I'm gonna make the billet with the with the steel he sent, which is more than mm-hmm. enough. And then um and then also profile the knife, and then send it off to Brian to finish it, and and I'll send all the gear to Brian because he sent some other stuff too, like just anything you could basically need. The whole point of this exercise is. He put a whole Excuse. new grinder in there? Whoa, thanks. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, unfortunately, no, but there are some fun tools in there. Brian, Brian and, will um, put his in the box before he sends it. Okay, yeah, cool. Exactly, thanks, Brian. Exactly, yeah. 
it will do it like Johnny Cash, one piece at a time. Yeah, there you go. I'll send you a bolt here, a bolt there. And uh, and so, but the the concept here that we're that we're all trying to communicate to the to North America is, yes, Lawrence is in Canada, and no, it doesn't make any difference. No. He can ship to the U.S. just as fast. The you could take advantage of the uh, the Canadian to USD uh, yep. exchange, exchange rate. rate, and so you know you're looking at paying the same fees. And like I said before, Lawrence is able to get some stuff that I wasn't able to get anywhere else, or at least as quickly. Yeah. So, like, you know, I would reach out to my California connection and say, hey, I need this, this, and this. And they'd say, yeah, three weeks, four weeks, blah, blah, yeah. blah. This is California, USA. Right. And then I go to Lawrence in Canada, and I say, hey, I need this, this, and this. And he's like, yep, I can get it in a week. And I had it in a well, week. Well, you got to remember. And it was like, well, like, that's it, yeah, man. That's the like stuff. Like, our ports might have fucking shipping containers lined up, but other places maybe not, you know? And, and Lawrence, and I don't know if that's just being Canadian, if he, ha if he's able to tap into a different supply chain or what, but th yeah, this stuff come, came crazy fast. You know, I'm, well, I did get some information from customs. There was some maple syrup exchanged oh, uh, between. Uh, it was kind of a backdoor maple syrup. Some Molson I can't get into the. I can't get into the the, the details. Well, I don't want to so get anybody in trouble. Right. So you're dropping your Californian connection. You're picking no up your Canadian. Connection. You're trading avocados for maple syrup. That's it. Avocado toast. That's it. I mean there the 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 California connection really was just me buying stuff yeah them. so i just it there was never an uh a relationship uh really a relationship even though that i tried to get that door open it just didn't open yeah. and you know uh lawrence is awesome to work yeah. with yes he sponsors the show full disclosure but i will tell you my reputation is everything yeah. and i i will tell you I would not have accepted in fact we went back and forth on this sponsorship i'm like we really don't need sponsors i yeah. you know and he was like, no, let me see what I can do for you. That's the kind of guy you yeah, want to do business yeah, with. Yeah. So just that's and 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 then not only did he talk a good game, he, he came through. Yeah. Right. He backed it up. Well, there you and go. I'll tell you, too, so like in this world, that's everything. Yeah. And the guy's constantly adding stuff. It's every day he's posting about, hey, we now carry blah, blah, blah. We now carry maritime socks. We now have to, you know, it's like every day there's new shit being added, which to me is a, is a, a sign that he's passionate about what he does. Right. Because folks that aren't passionate are going to carry one flipping thing and then they're just going to stop and peter out. You know, he's continually researching, continually trying to figure out and predict what's the market want. What do these guys need yep. and trying to fit that, you know, fill that void. Um, and he's, he's a hard damn working guy. He's constantly on, on socials. He's constantly sharing work. It's, it's really cool. I'm impressed. Yeah. I think when you boil it down to any industry, I always use the term smash and grab. Mm -hmm. There's guys out there that do work simply because there is a financial gain yeah, from it. Yeah. What we are now seeing is a resurgence of business owners because of the pandemic. The I, I fully believe this is <laughs> this is a, a direct result of the situation we're in where we're kind of going back to the old, you know, yeah. uh, Ford and Ferrari and all these guys who popped up because they saw opportunity but they loved what they yeah, did yeah i mean right. if you look at like uh, like thomas edison and the um 
the the guy that created uh, Firestone tires. I can't oh, think of his name. The guy that like, created a whole oh, bunch Mr. Of Firestone. Guys. Yep. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> is it Firestone? Is it? No, yeah, I don't, I don't know. think I that's just... his freaking name. But yeah. <laughs> I, no, there's but no way. You look at these guys, and they they did they got into the industry because they they w- loved the fact that we were moving away from the horse and buggy <laughs> and moving into the you know automated. That reminds you know, more, me of Mr. You know, Home Depot. Really. <laughs> he was a bad I met him George Home Depot yeah, yeah he's a great guy yeah, yeah George oh, Home Depot anyway. George Home Depot <laughs> I, I think it's awesome because we're now seeing these guys rise to the top mm-hmm. because they are passionate about what they do. Yeah. And if you read Lawrence's story, he talks yeah. about it is he got into the hobby of knife making. He realized he's good at logistics. He's good at uh, figuring out how to, you know, gain access to product yeah. that might have supply chain issues. And then he's finding a, a niche market where I didn't think that niche market existed anymore. I always thought like, right. well, the big guys like Jance and everybody else, they've got the market cornered. Oh, hell no. No, no this is a free for all now. Well, Anybody can walk into this world and create something from nothing. Yeah. And, Here's a perfect. You know, that's a, what free markets are all about. Hell you yeah. Know, my take on free markets. Yes. Well, here, I love here's them. two other examples. And, I, and I've actually reached out to both of these guys just so you guys know to see if we can get them on because – we talk a lot about micromanufacturing. George Home Depot George is coming is on the podcast be on next week. Whoa. Yep, what? absolutely. And then uh, Mike Harbor Freight is coming as well. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I've been pronouncing his name wrong. He's French. It's it's George Home Depot. 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 But um, so I've been following now for. Gosh, probably a couple uh, a couple of years. This guy Chris from a glimpse inside, and what a, just a phenomenal story. So he started as like a bakery manager for a big supermarket uh, chain back east. I think it's in the Carolinas or someplace down, sort of southern U.S. and um, Piggly Wiggly. Is it Piggly Wiggly? Piggly Wiggly. Is that from the Axe and Iron? <laughs> I know Mrs. Wiggly. You know Mrs. Wiggly? She's a friend of mine. Yeah, her husband's got a Piggly. <laughs> 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 but Chris, so Chris was working in these bakeries and managing bakeries. He started when he was like 16 fucking years old, working his ass off, grinding, grinding, grinding. Got to a certain point in his life in like his mid 30s, maybe, maybe pushing 40. And said, fuck this. He took out a big loan on his 401k, walked away from the bakery business, and built a big-ass shop in his backyard and said, I'm I'm going for it. I'm going to be a YouTuber. Wow. Started grinding. Oh, that is a freaking gamble. <laughs> yeah, started grinding. This is probably about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And... I think it was about three or four months ago after about a year of grinding on YouTube and he was starting to get a lot of traction, pretty damn successful. I don't remember how many subs he had at that point, but, it, but he was like, like popped a hundred K or something and makes a video comes on the, on the video and says, Hey, look, I got to tell you, you know, here's everybody says, Oh, it's amazing. You quit your job, uh, to do this, to become a YouTuber, this and that. And he said, well, behind the scenes, I got to tell you, I had to fucking do this. He's like, my wife is sick. She had, I can't remember what exactly it's called, but she's homebound basically. And he's got two autistic children. And he said, I, mm. I cannot literally leave my house. 
I have to work here. So he's like, the reality of it is I didn't just quit my job to pursue my dreams. He's like, I per- quit my job to basically feed my family, you know? Fast forward mm, to today, the guy has basically reinvented the fucking French cleat tool storage s- solutions. And he is inventing all of these incredible. Oh, I know who you're holders. talking about. I'm sure about. you've I seen him. This yeah, guy. I'm sure you've seen him. Yeah, I've watched it. I've like, subscribed to his channel. Yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. The dude you'll ever fucking meet in your life. What's his channel a called? A glimpse inside. Into a glimpse inside. And he made that really cool French uh, uh, spring. But that that spring clamp mm-hmm. thing, the, he calls the armadillo or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, he's got several different designs so cool. now, and he's mass producing these fucking things. Basically, treating his workshop like it's a production bakery, just like he did in his quote professional career, you know. And he's baking the muffins. The only difference now is the fucking muffins are French cleat walls, you know. And he's knocking this shit out, and it, it, to me, it's just. To see that progression, to see the all the different sort of phases that he had to go through to get there, and now to see this high production, you know, he's he had a YouTube video last month. He's like, I made five grand at the launch of this pro, you know, project in one day. You know, he's like, it's just absurd. Um, so he followed the, he out of, necessity out of necessity creates this concept, but then and then makes it, yeah, happen. and then I think you know people. People like that underdog story as well. And I think that factors in. Sure, it does. But the guy's still busting balls. The other guy I found recently, and I'm going to I'm gonna fail to remember his name, but I'm going to remember what he makes. He was sick and tired of the CNC bit industry and decided, fuck it, I'm going to make my own. And he came out with this CNC bit he calls the Jenny. And he took all the things that he disliked about sort of traditional or standard CNC bits and fixed them. So he's, you know, making a down cut uh, V groove bit and he's making uh, an an up cut bit with a specific geometry. So it's better for plywood or, you know, just very specific uh, applications. And they all conveniently fit sort of like the average materials that people use. So he's disrupting the CNC bit industry, which is another one of those industries you'd think Whiteside and some of these really big tool manufacturers, you'd think they'd have it all wrapped up, right? Well, this guy's carving out a spot for himself right in the middle of the market. You know, it's like, fuck Literally carving himself out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I think it's just neat. You know, we've talked about a lot, the micro manufacturing stuff and, and, I, I don't I don't know that people quite believe us yet, you know? So I feel like if we keep yeah. bringing up examples of this, it's like, no, it's fucking happening. Literally, all around it's us. It's happening. So, yeah. Ben, are you going to get this guy on the show or what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I am. Sorry. <laughs> Caught you in the middle of a sip of coffee. <laughs> coffee. You just do. I almost, almost <laughs> shot Home Depot up my nose. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I reached out. So Chris said... Uh, from a glimpse inside said after after Easter reach out and he'd love to do the show and then I reached out last night to the CNC bit guy so yeah I think they'd both just just to hear their story and how they I'd just be curious I know Chris from a glimpse inside he picked up a CNC machine and that's about all the tooling up that he did but this guy making CNC bits I can't even imagine 
you know the shit that he's yeah that's that's yeah. that's work man to, yeah to design and fabricate those little carbide burrs mm-hmm. and stuff and those c bits that's no At joke production that's like level too stuff. you know like he's selling them yeah. on the onefinity website i i saw too and it's like wow yeah, it's not just little mom and pop shit anymore you know like i grew up where machine shops that made shit like that were all over town and uh still it still is back there to an extent but these machine shops all fed the bigger beast, right? They all fed the bigger plant that fed Ford Motor Company or John Deere or GE. You know, it was it was yep. the big boys. And they're not around anymore. Right. They're not they're not making things anymore. These big these big factories. Yeah. I mean they they are but not but on the not. scale. They're a lot and a lot of those big factories are doing it themselves. Yes. The divisions inside that they they've learned that you can't farm this stuff out. You gotta bring it in and all of that. And but now we're seeing all this. For instance, I got sponsored by this company called Longer. It's like a Chinese company. I've that chatted they wanted with to send them. me it's a neat, um, neat printer. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. They sent me a 3D printer because I I don't know if this was coincidence or what, but I needed a 3D printer for this Forge project. And uh, and and then like the next morning, I wake up and I've got an email from this company <laughs> saying, "Hey, we'd like to send you a 3D printer." I was like, Isn't it funny oh, wow. how did that they, shit happens? Did they see me like sh- yeah, I was wondering like maybe they were watching what I was doing or something. But um, I'm gonna put this out. I'm gonna put this out in the world real quick. You know, I may have fixed my van, but <laughs> I hey, need a new van. hey, in, out in the world, I, I need a new vehicle. vehicle, vehicle. <laughs> I drove I, yesterday. I was driving behind an Astro van the entire way to work. Like, <laughs> Brian Cohn, what, what's going on here? I didn't know any more of these existed. I thought Brian had the last one. Um, but uh, so they sent me this 3D printer, and um, and I, it arrived a few days ago. I have no experience other than Dexter showing me a few things. I'd never printed anything with a 3D printer, yeah. but I had a, a viewer of the YouTube channel send me a file, gosh, probably a year ago. And uh, I wanted to print that file and I wanted to print a couple other things. And I was printing in like an hour and a it's half. Quick, I mean, isn't this it? thing, like, it was four bolts. I basically lined everything up, plugged it in. It's got a touch screen on it. You plug a little SD card into it and it'll print stuff. It's a stupid, simple it process. Is. And I thought, because I've had some poor experiences with CNC recently, and I was like, you know what? This is going to be a nightmare. Like, this thing's going to start squirting <laughs> plastic out everywhere, and it's just going to be a mess. So let you, two nights ago, right as I was leaving the shop, I needed to print something. It was going to take like eight hours to print this piece. And uh, I just hit go on it and left, left the shop. And I was like, you know, what's the worst can happen and burn itself out or, you know, whatever, spit out a bunch of PLA. Uh, I get into the shop the next morning, and there's this perfect part waiting for just, me, it, right? This robot had built this thing It for takes me. forever, and but I it's thought, fascinating when it's done. You know, it, it's just it's like, fuck me. Because I'm, I'm looking at this part, and I'm going, I can't find anything wrong with it. And I, it, it was a, it's like basically a holder for something else that is rectangular, but it's got electronics in it. Yep. So there's a lot of like little, you know, grooves and, and shit cranes. in it. I'm like, there's no way this thing's going to work. Like, I'm not going to be able to snap this thing in. Clicked right in like it was built Bang. for it. There was no uh, tolerance issues or anything. So I was like, wow, what can we do with this now? Yeah. So, you know, the the next step is, and I'm talking with Kyle, who was on the show not yeah, long yeah. ago. Um, because he came up with this. Yeah, Cage Daily. So like... He's got this concept for a glue, like an adhesive holder that holds your yeah. adhesives upside down. Fantastic thing. I go, you know, everybody's got a freaking 3D printer now. Why don't you sell the files? Nope. Then, like, now people are commenting under my comment going, yeah, Kyle, I'd buy those files. Yeah. There it and is. I'm, I, I'm, 
message him privately. I'm like, you need to get on this because you you're missing out on some serious passive income yeah. because people are going to see your designs and want to print them themselves. And um, you know, there's a big worry about intellectual property theft or whatever. You have to let that yeah. go. Don't think like that. You're going to keep this idea to yourself and save it for what? Yeah. You know, release it out into the ether. If it gets pirated, whatever, the majority of people are going to support you because they want to and they get something in exchange. Yep. So I fully believe in like the whole uh, Benjamin Nuetta, the way he looks at things is like, give it yeah. away. Give the design away, basically. But, you know, make people pay something for I'll it. I'll give you an example. But then um, that'll be it. Yeah, you can make on. this passive income. I, I can think of a really yeah. good example. But. Here's an example besides <laughs> your stuff, Brian. Um a buddy of mine, uh, I won't even say came up with the idea because this was so universally used in the cabinet making industry that he, he just happened to take it to a company and, and pitch it. But uh, it's called the Oscar Square. And for cabinet making, think of a, a, a triangular piece of plywood. That's it. Take a piece of fucking plywood, put a 90 degree angle on one side and a 45 connecting two points, you know, just a simple triangle. It's got two slots cut in the sides so that you can you can fit a clamp in there. And basically, you can clamp the corner of a cabinet at 90 degrees with this triangle resting on the inside, right? It's a clamping square. Very simple. Just like for welding, right? Same thing. Sounds like uh, Jason from exactly. Fireball Tools. He has yeah. Stuff, it just yeah. this would be for cabinet making easy to make you know everybody and their brother has made something like it when they're building a box out of wood right it's just you naturally just do it well oscar took this to a company called fastcap fastcap makes all kinds of lean manufacturing style uh goods for cabinet makers carpenters uh Finish, you know, finish carpentry, carpentry, that kind of thing. And FastCap now sells the Oscar Square on their website. So they bang these things out on a CNC by the hundreds, and they're selling them in four and six packs. So Oscar took his proprietary idea to a pretty good sized company like FastCap. Paul Akers, probably one of the best known people, at least here in the U.S., for lean manufacturing. You know, a really good guy, a really good American company. And Oscar said he's now making as much money off of his YouTube channel as he is off of the commissions he's getting from FastCap for the Oscar Squares. You know, wow. <laughs> so, so wow. the guy would have made more money. He would have made more money selling the fucking things by himself. Right. Even though he could have never sold the design uh, because every, you know, it's so simple that only a company like FastCap could have pulled off mass producing them. Right. So sure. Oscar's making peanuts is what I'm <clears throat> what I'm trying to say off of his intellectual oh, oh, you're saying, property. You know, he's, he's not making oh, a fucking dime off of. I um, thought you were saying like he was big on YouTube. So no, he he's not very big on YouTube at all. I guess. Yeah. I sorry. You. I kind of missed you. the point, but the point is he's not making jack all off of selling that intellectual property to yeah. a bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if folks are waiting around for 
you know, Milwaukee tool company to buy your jig idea. Nah, sorry. They're just going to yeah, fucking no, steal sorry. it if they want. It ain't going to work. Nope. <laughs> they, they're exactly right. And and I tell people this, they're like, you know, you got to get patents on all your stuff. And I'm like, you know, if you really research what a patent yeah. does for you, it basically gives you the right to, to contest yeah. this in court. That's it. It doesn't win you anything. It gives you it the ability to have a lawyer anything. and retainer. <laughs> yep. Right. And if you don't have millions to put into that fund of to back you know, it up, suing you everybody, back out, it there's up. no way. Yeah. Yep. You you you're gonna go against a big tooling company and try to fight it. You know, it, it's it's uh, gonna be a long legal battle you know that's it really gonna is? drain you of financial and emotional resources. So just. Get out there, sell your idea to the community and sell it yourself and do it your best way. You, you, you know, do that your best way you know how. And then when that's done, you move on to the next thing. Every <laughs> single product development person out there knows this. Yeah. Things are going to come and go, ebb and flow. You got to pivot and be mean and lean in order to do that. If you hinge everything on one idea and you think like the, yeah. the days of my intellectual pro, I came up with this concept and I sold the patent to Ford and now I'm a billionaire. Those days are long gone. I mean, it's like you know what one it is in now. a million chance. Yeah. You, what it is now is that patents exist so that the large companies can sue little guys like us out of existence. That's probably partially true. I think it's also an, it also works in favor for intellectual like uh, like guys like Apple and Google who patent their algorithm process, which by the way is duplicated and changed my, in minor ways. There are big patent or copyright infringement cases out there that net you know huge dollar exchanges. And it's basically a flex between those two companies trying to halt development on some other thing. Right. It's it's all kind of like smoke and mirrors. It's like these guys are all just kind of fighting each other to yeah. keep them busy so that <laughs> they can slow them down to keep them from developing new products right. in the future. <clears throat> it's the, the difference between the guy like me and the, and Google is that. I don't look at it like that. I look at it like I have a product. I've come up with it. It's my thing. It's, you know, I basically solved the problem. I, I created a thing, but tomorrow it could all be gone. Yeah. And if, and I have to think that way because you can't hinge an entire company on just that one thing. You have to diversify. And if you think that like, you're going to have this one concept that's going to make you money for 20 years it's not going to work that way. No. Look at every single huge tooling company. They don't just sell one tool. Well, and, they, and they're they, not they, even just they, selling they tools anymore. You know, like I look at some of these like tools today as an example uh, in in uh, sort of the woodworking sphere. They started out selling bits, bits and bits. The guys I'm working with, the same thing. They started out with a special sauce they were spraying on CNC bits and now they sell Festool. You know, now they sell other yeah. things. and. Have That's you right. seen the uh, the docu series on Hulu called The Dropout? No, Fucking no. You, sounds, sounds like something. Brian I Brian House, watch, you you will love this. And I I've I'm not I haven't I haven't watched a TV series probably in five years. But so Elizabeth Holmes was back in the oh that Theranos, Theranos story. story with Walgreens. So she. She's an eccentric, right? And it was in the tech boom, right? Back in the 2000s. And uh, she came out with this concept that she wanted a device that made testing your blood 
so simple that no one ever would have to be afraid to do it, right? So <clears throat> a drop of blood was her goal, would be all it would take. You could get any blood test done you wanted, this, that, and the other thing. It would be, you know, the, the bee's fucking knees and everybody would be healthy and happy and horny all the time. Well, she got a little too infatuated with being a billionaire and running a company and she sort of let that get ahead of the horse a bit. And turns out over time, she started basically selling a bad bill of goods. You know, she started pitching this idea to people before they had any proof that it could work. That oh, snowballed, geez. you know, that it was like pitching to people, I'm going to build the best motherfucking grinder in the world. And you still have not solved the problem to actually build your grinder. All talk and no action. Yeah. And yeah. that caught up with her. And actually her trial is on now, like present day. Really? Yeah. It's just coming to the. Wow. This show is timely. Yeah. It's just Holy coming cow. to the court system. Ooh, but really. Drama. Just baby. fascinating. Yeah. Love that shit. Because it shows you a peek behind that huge corporate machine. And it also, I don't know, I was somewhat involved or just starting to get my ears wet in the the tech sphere back then. And it was the wild fucking West, you know? Um, Everybody with a Patagonia vest that lived in California thought that they had the tech solution to save the world, you know? (laughs) And, uh, and there was all these venture capitalist firms that had a shit ton of yes. money they wanted to invest. Yep. So these guys, like uh, these startup companies, that yeah, I, I find this fascinating. Like they gave millions, sometimes billions of dollars mm-hmm. to these companies that had absolutely Unreal. no product. They were just a bunch of guys that were wow. great at bullshitting yeah. and talking about nothing, and, and they give them money. Was going to save the fucking world. You know, we'll build an app. Well, for they, it's like the Seinfeld of the tech yep. world. They had a they had a business based on nothing, yeah. and they wrote a story about yeah. it. And then somebody gave them a bunch of money. A, and make this a couple happened sexy videos not once, but you know, hundreds of yeah, times. Quote Steve Jobs. Hundreds of quote times. Steve Jobs ten times a day. Make a sexy video, a, f- a fancy flashy logo. And and that's just it. Like you watch this series, right? And um, it goes from basically her and two other fucking science, you know, scientist dudes who are legitimately building the product to save the fucking world to, you know, fast forward one episode and her corporation is now a thousand people strong. You know, she's got like a thousand employees. But guess what? There's still only those two fucking science no dweebs solving right? the goddamn problem, you know? So it's like, what the fuck? And the other 998 yeah. are just. I said to Christy, like, they're just, what the uh, fuck are these other people doing? Buzz. Yeah, yeah no, they're creating they're, buzz. They're probably all salespeople and relationship managers yeah. and just, you know. So it's, yeah. it's fascinating. I think if folks want to see what I believe to be a pretty. I, I shouldn't say it's running rampant like that today. I think in the early 2000s, that was a reality. That was the tech bubble. Whether people realize right. it or not, that was. Um, it was interesting times and and the bleeding edge was still wet you know mm-hmm. whereas quite literally yeah. the bleeding edge in this case <laughs> yeah whereas today um, all right it's, hey it's a little more stagnant yeah real <clears throat> real quick my allergies are off the charts today it needs to start raining down here in florida but uh so real quick switching gears we are an hour in we Ooh. have some business to attend to Number one on that list is a dad joke. Are you guys ready for this dad joke? You know that we are. Sure. 
All right. So this one's a kind of like a riddle. Okay. What do you call a beehive without an exit? What? Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, love it. That was bad. That was a terrible one. Terrible one. And the, today's dad joke has been brought to you by all 49 of our patrons, the beautiful people oh, over on 49? Patreon who are 49 people. Can you oh, imagine 49 people financially contributing to this podcast every single month. And I am going to read from the beginning all of the all 49 names. All of you beautiful people deserve recognition for opening your wallets and donating your your money to our our cause here. So <clears throat> I got to clear my throat. Hold on one second. <laughs> Let me clear my Ready? throat. <laughs> Let me clear my throat. <laughs> Mark Marcus over at MW Steelworks. Mark Vanderwerf, our man over in the UK. The Dutchman. The Flying Dutchman living in the UK. Mark Vanderwerf. Justin Miller of Florida Man Forge. Devin and Dustin O'Hara of The Art of Craftsmanship. Noah Bloomberg of Entiot River Forge. Michael Nye. Jamie the Squid. Jamie Blow. Eric at Overall Maker Works. Bob Ryan. Brigham Kendall. Scott Wilkerson at Phoenix Works. He's now got an Instagram. Scott, you got to start posting stuff, buddy. I started following you yesterday. Get out, get out yeah, there. Yeah, he rebranded recently, right? And rebranded under Phoenix. Yeah, Works. I was chatting with him. We should have him back on the show at some point. He's got a bunch That's of shit going absolutely. on. Absolutely, that'd be cool. He does. Keith Drennan at Blackthorn Concepts. Bob at shed underscore under shed underscore 72. Bob actually called me out for stumbling over his name and said, don't even worry about it. Don't read my, you know, whatever. And I'm like, no, I want to read your handle on. Yeah, sorry guys. On, uh, you deserve it here at shed underscore 72. Brian Hooten, Hooten knives, Jason Moss, our man in Texas, Mark LeBlanc, North of the border. Ken, cannot Kemna. Crafty Man Forge of the USPS, James Hunsberger of Hunsberger Knives, Cordoso Knives, which, by the way, today I actually, or yesterday, I actually received a package from Cordoso Knives all the way from Portugal. Nice. I will be doing an unboxing video on Instagram like, today of that package. I feel like he needs to have like a pirate theme. Like he's got the perfect pirate name. Cordoso. Yes, he does. <laughs> he he definitely. That's a good you know, point. He, like, yes, he, he's in I, Portugal, which is Cordoso like on the coast. <laughs> Cordoso. Knifematerial.at. Moonshine Leatherworks, our master Man. at the pranks, Mr. Brian Absher. Working Hands Podcast, if you're not listening to the Working Hands Podcast, right after you stop listening to this one, here, we're done doing this thing. Go over to wherever you listen to podcasts and find the Working Hands Good podcast. Stuff. It is quickly becoming one of my favorite podcasts out there. Ryan Coakley, who is uh, Chadborn Custom Knives, right? Is that, I'm saying that right? Chadborn, is it Ch yes. Chadborn, Ryan yeah, Chadborn yeah. Custom Knives. Carol Ann Jeanette Racine. 
She is our executive, top level executive, wooden spoon carving and blacksmith. She's got a, a store now as well. If folks don't know that, she now is selling her spoons Dude. online. Check oh it out. God. So good, so good. Her work is amazing. Yes. So go check Absolutely her out. Absolutely, she. Yep. Oxford Blade Company. Our man, Mister Lawrence Lake. MaritimeKnifeSupply.com is supporting us. He's our he's our top supporter. <clears throat> Clear my throat. Richard Beck of Beck'sArmory.com just came out with the Gen 2 of the, of the I think, uh, got the email this morning. Gen 2 of the BA Shredder. Go check that out. Jared Weaver. Love Jared Weaver. Leon Shanks of Two Birds Blade Works. And if you can imagine, it's not two like pigeons flying in the air. It's two, two little, birds, you know, maybe. you know what. Two hey. birds. I'm going to give you the, the middle finger. Dennis Terrell of Terrell Knife Works. Mm. Oh, man, that guy. Crushing guy. it. That's crushing it. Yeah. <laughs> I find myself just like backlogging his videos man. on YouTube watching that stuff. It's so I good. He's an apron. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Moberg of TMO Knives. Donnie Dulovich, <laughs> who is not too far from me in Florida. Bruce G. Carlson. Maximus Knives, Brad Troxclair, Echo Blades, Jared over at Echo Blades, Nate Wapol, one of my favorite human beings ever. I've had some really Earth. good conversations with Nate lately. It's, it's been fun. He's He's yeah, got some he's things cooking dude. up. He's He showed me a little bit behind the scenes of what he's working on. Holy crap. Yeah, you got to follow him on everywhere. On Facebook, Instagram, all over the place. He's doing some cool stuff. Zach Byrne of Burn Blades. Chris Powell over at Full Steam Designs. He's coming on the podcast in the near future. Matthew Angel at ad.knifeworks. Wesley Crum. I love Wesley. I got a package from him, too. Nice. I need to open, actually. I think we all got the same package. I need to Oh, open that. yeah. That's um, a badass package. Yeah, the state. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Uh, Benjamin Mullins. Matt Bicker in Holland. Matt Bicker in Holland. Dustin Yahima. Tenny, Tenny, Toby Mur, Mural of UK Knife Supplies. If you don't know Toby, him and uh, owner Caglar are, uh, they do a podcast called the Fire and Steel Podcast. That's another one that I just absolutely listen to every week. It's so good. And uh, Jeremy Ballaball. Hey, you said that right. Good job. Thank you. Thank we, you. We Jeremy Ballaball. We had a whole conversation in the in the uh, DMs on Instagram on how to say his name. Was- Jeremy, I am quickly, I am, I am fair. He a long time ago asked if he could come on the podcast. I wasn't familiar with him, so I was just kind of like, well, I don't really know you yet, so we'll 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 wait a little bit. He's quickly becoming one of my favorite people in the world. <laughs> He's hilarious. I love him. Anybody that calls me out on my bullshit and makes fun of me and does it in video format in a private DM on Instagram. <laughs> Yes, yeah, that's, yes, that's please stuff. bring it on. I love it. I love it. Um, Jeremy Ballaball. All right. So that's all of and them. Get this. No, no, no. Two more. Wait, really? Wow. Two more. Hold on. Ira Housewert, who is a long lost oh. cousin of mine, is a, I mentioned him last week. He's now joined up as a as a uh, patron of ours who will also be on Forged in Fire on 420. Whoa. So nice. Ira Housewert. 
competing on Forged in Fire, uh, episode four, I believe. So there's one more episode that's going to come out on Hulu. So it'll be episode three, which is not out. Dude and does then some episode awesome four. work, man. He is I feel on. like I feel like we should like set set up like a you know virtual watch party for that thing. Because, He's I doing mean, it's it. A, at it's his a cousin, house, yeah. No, yeah, like, it, it like is us a cousin, as a yeah. podcast, like we should oh, we should do yeah. like a live stream of us watching it. If I could coordinate that, I would. But maybe you, you want to uh, get that together. I would. I'd be open to that. We could do like a Zoom thing or whatever. I know yeah. he's going to be busy because he's got people coming over to watch it at his house <laughs> right. and stuff. So he's. Uh, but uh, no, I'm just yeah, thinking like a live stream on Instagram and just kind of you know have yeah. some people on and talk about you know I don't know. It's an idea. So I just because Ira I come up a, with an idea doesn't mean it's a good one. <laughs> well, it does. It I don't does know, mean man. That you're you've batting a thousand, buddy. <laughs> You're batting a thousand. You you you're crushing it. You're you're all your ideas are pretty good, Brian. I like what you you're bringing to the table. I I will say, Ira is a long lost cousin. People have asked me this. It's the weirdest thing ever. I didn't know he existed up until about like two months ago. He saw my name on a flyer at Kilroy's workshop in Colorado and reached out to me and asked me if I we were related. And it turns out this we is are, so incredible. Like, closely, it's so incredible. And he's been a knife maker and a blacksmith for twenty years. Yeah. Uh, and he knows uh, all those gents out there. He knows Ron and and everybody out there in Colorado at Kilroy's, so he's like um, the, which I'll be doing a class, by the way. I'm gonna just gonna use this as right. an opportunity in the first week of July. Fourth I'll be doing of July, a baby. Class, Kilroy's workshop. Go check it out. And our final and last one, and our newest patron, Reaper Metalworks, is joined on for the high five. Reaper Metalworks. Uh, it, we've been following each other on Instagram for a long time, and uh, he joined up on the podcast. Patron. So 49 patrons, we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah. And Ira, good luck on your Forged and Fire. You already know the outcome, I'm sure, but uh, we can't wait to see what happens on that episode. And by the way, I'd like to bring up Forged and Fire because for a while I kind of stopped watching it. And I was like, eh, it's kind of played out a little bit. I, You know, I love those guys. I just I started kind of just... I don't know. I don't watch much TV TV. Yeah. I watch a lot of uh, YouTube. But um, because I have some friends uh, like Mike over at Mad uh, Blades, he was just on, I think he was on episode one. Um, I don't know if you know him. Um, I'm trying to think of his Instagram handle now. I, I'm butchering it. But anyway, uh, he was on and he competed. So I was like, oh, I'll watch that episode. And then I got sucked into the next one and the next yeah. one because they're doing some really <laughs> cool shit this season. So uh, season nine, I think they're on now. So season nine on the History Channel or on Hulu, you can stream it. Go check out Forge of Fire. They're doing some really cool stuff. Nice. There's new, there's new host, uh, new uh, MC or whatever. I can't think of his name. Chris, That's encouraging, somebody. you know. And then, I think, yeah, it's all yeah. good, man. It's all good. Yeah. I do miss, I do miss Will. I, I like, I like them both. I'm like yeah. right on the fence. I love, I love them both, man. And uh, but new blood in there. And uh, the guys are doing some really cool stuff. So go check out Forge and Fire. For it's sure, for not sure. Not the same old show. So very good stuff. So before we move on, before we switch gears again, is this episode 104? Is this two years straight of the WFI? Mm. Well, it, it's not exactly two years. It's close. So oh. It's it's close because we, for a while we were when I was doing it with Trent, we were doing two episodes a week. Yeah, uh, you guys so were hammering episode out. 104. Yeah, we were just trying to figure out. You know, it's just like YouTube. You know, you got to make a whole bunch of stuff, yep. a whole bunch of pieces of content before you get decent at it. And that was my approach. And Trent was totally open to yeah. it. 
What do you think so, about uh, uh, so we did two a week? What do you guys think about like the thirty day challenges? You know, like thirty videos in thirty days, those those kind of things. I, I know that a lot of YouTubers and a lot of content creators really blow up when they do those. Yeah. But oh my god, can you even imagine having to? You have to dedicate your life to that process for thirty <laughs> days, and who can do? That? I know. Well, yeah. a, re- a retired guy. There's no way I can. <laughs> Jeremy did it from Simple Little yeah. Life, yeah. and that and really he blew rose up. him up. Right, and yeah. he blew up. By the way, I want to bring up Jeremy. The guy doesn't get nearly enough spotlight. Nearly enough. Can I just say how much I freaking love Jeremy? Did you see his hand sander. I mean, is this what you're going to bring up? <sighs> that thing is so cool. I told him. I am like, bro. I told him you. He needs to. I mean, I've seen these similar machines. Yeah. I mean, it's like not an original concept, but the way he made it is so mm-hmm. original. It's so cool, and. I mean, then I started, of course, because I'm watching that video. YouTube goes, oh, you should watch. And I started digging into some of his old stuff from like four years ago. And he was talking about, well, I'm I'm on the precipice of getting 50,000 subscribers and all that stuff. And I'm like, wow, dude, you've come so far in four years. It's such an awesome thing to watch. And, but every uh, um, and to hear all these people talk about Jeremy, like uh, James from uh, Wasteland. He mentioned on Jeff's podcast, the full uh, full blast podcast, about how he sat when he was doing inventory at his music shop. Yeah, and watched. He Jeremy. just sat and binge watched Simple Little Life, and that's what got him into knife making. There's so many knife makers out there that can that, contribute. I mean, I'm one of them. They're, like literally, yeah. I, I would be stocking shelves, and I'd be talking to my buddy who stocked the shelf next to me, and uh, you know, we'd be talking about YouTubers that we watched, and we both came up with. Simple little life, and then we, we were said getting, this to him we directly, get, right? Right, we did we on did. the podcast. Didn't we? Didn't we bring this this te- this uh, this concept up to him, like how he's responsible for yeah. a bunch of people getting involved in this, right? And he was very humble, oh, as Lord, he always yeah. is. But he's just. Uh, but the more you dig into it, you find like some of these big knife makers, nothing to do with that world at right. all, get hooked on Jeremy's videos, Dude, and then and they, the big they thing move forward. The big thing is like I was I was in such a terrible spot when I found that because like I had just gotten out of Central after throwing, you know, three and a half, well, four and a half, no, three and a half years of, you know, time into Central Michigan and coming away realizing that I'm not going to be a teacher. And I have this, you know, I haven't even finished this degree. And That's if I do finish in? it. Yeah, well, no, I, 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 I never finished it. I never finished oh, you didn't it finish. because I realized, you know, way, way, way too late that, you know, teaching just isn't for me. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I was pretty darn like if I if I stuck it out, I probably could, you know, finish up my teaching degree pretty quick. But yeah. I realized that, you know, I what the hell is a teaching degree going to do me when I don't want to teach? And I started. You imagine I, if you were a teacher now, Brian. Oh, my God, dude, <sighs> it's it is. <laughs> I can I I look at these videos on YouTube and or not on YouTube but I like Instagram and TikTok of these kids like attacking teachers and stuff like that yeah. and then all this pandemic stuff these teachers are worn out it is brutal to watch and well, you, I man, have, it made a good choice it's I have like, so actually. many friends from that you know degree I mean I have so many friends who are in their first couple of years of teaching and like already quitting I have yeah. I have at least five people that I know very close that literally have gotten to teaching and it's so terrible. It was such a birth by fire that they've lost their passion completely and they they're now doing other things. Like they just can't do it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's that, a job that you 
are doing so much. You have to work so much off the clock. You have to buy your own materials. And now you have to go above and beyond with, you know, literally everything just to make it all safe. And you get paid literal peanuts. That was my next point was that the the pay is like you can go do something completely non-risky with that, like way less headache and make the same amount of money. I mean, I know people get into teaching because – they want to change the world, yeah, but, but boy, is there a whole lot of ways to change the world that don't include, you know, uh, dealing with spoiled, rotten children. All <laughs> you know, I'll tell you what, getting man, back I, onto something a little bit more far. Well, my wife. Well, get, entitlement is running rampant in this country. It is. I yeah. mean, we we are because we're moving. I don't want to get into this whole thing, right, but I'll tell right. you what, man. I, I I my goal for raising my three children was to not raise assholes. Yeah. That was literally it. And you're not I, guaranteed I, to do that my, these days. You know, my. No, you're right. My mom came to me the other day. They came over. We were having like a little barbecue on Sunday because it was really nice out and stuff. And my mom's like, how are the kids doing? Like, are their grades good? I'm like, their grades aren't that great. You know, they're not doing okay. they're not doing that great in school. But that's not what I in care about so much scheme, anymore. In the grand scheme, does it really fucking matter? <clears throat> think about this. Think about, exactly. Think about this for a second. I put money away for the kids to go to college if they choose to do that, right? If they want to do that. It is totally not necessary anymore. In fact, I have lost all of my my hope for these generations going through these pandemics now because not, I don't lose hope for the generations themselves, but the, the idea that we're going to bring that, that same methodology forward, it's dead. Yeah. It's gone. You, you, the, basically what we have done now is we have shown these children that education, albeit it's important, you have to know how to read and write, but everything else is off the table. Yeah. You now have to just learn how to be a social media manager. You have to learn how to be good at talking. You, communication is strong. Man. Things like that. And you'll be completely fine. People say you that know, with like the homeschool. Weird. You know, and, and when the pandemic came out, in fact, my old man still harps on me about this, you know, and he's like, I don't care what anybody says. These kids doing school at home and everything. That's not good. I said, well, hold the phone a minute. I said, think about most professional jobs today. They don't talk face to face to human beings. You know, they, they, they spent uh, like when I was working for the forest service, I spent all day long sitting in front of a freaking computer talking to people with my fingers, right? Chatting on instant message platforms, maybe doing a video call here and there. I said, this is actually prepping them for the real world better than sitting in a classroom. (laughs) The last two years has shifted the real world because, you know, there's, there's, there's all the rules have been broken now. And I think the lesson we have taught these, these early generations, like my children, our children, is that you and one one little thing, I learned this in 2007 and 8 when my net worth dropped by 90% because of some fucking politician uh-huh. decided to deregulate the banks. And uh, and then I realized uh. that all bets are off. <laughs> Every single freaking thing in the world comes down to your ability to have good luck and hard work. Yeah. And I'll tell you, if you do those two things, doesn't matter. I can barely read. A lot of people don't know this about me, but I can read words, but I don't comprehend them. Severe, severe uh, learning disability. And it puts me, it put me behind the eight ball of all my contemporaries. All these kids mm-hmm. who are super smart coming out of these schools, they were doing all the things they should have done. 
and they, <clears throat> they had an advantage over me. I had to work really hard to get seats. Oh, I got to tell I mean, you, that was I'll like tell you a story a after thing. this about my little None reading adventure. None of it freaking matters. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Nope. It, you look at it now and none of it matters because I had an idea five years ago to create a YouTube channel that ultimately led me to build a machine yeah. and it changed my entire trajectory of my life and the generations below right. me forever. It's not like you grew up in a family that made machines. <clears throat> you know what I mean? It's no. not like you had this... Uh, lifelong experience in this profession. Most people don't, right? Most people enter the workforce in a profession completely different than what they grew up around, at least in, in today's world, right? I can remember. You can pick. That's the yeah. beauty of it is that you can just, this is what I, and I'm, I'm going to go on a little bit of an America rant right now. And I, I get a lot of people on my YouTube channel, like bashing me because I'm an American which I don't really fully understand. It's like some some sort of thing like where they want to say that America has a lot of issues. Yeah, of course, every country has problems. But here's what the United States does. It Capitalism as an economic model has built fertile freaking ground yeah. for guys like me to rise up from nothing. When you go and travel, which I highly suggest everyone does, get out of the United States and wander around for 10 freaking minutes right. in any yeah. other country oh and figure out you will watch you'll it will blow your mind the differences in which what we have what we call freedom in the u.s versus freedom in other countries and i'm not saying other countries don't have freedom don't get all your undies in a bundle here what i'm saying is is that the years and years and generation after generation of capitalism <clears throat> has risen the cream to the, the 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 cream to the top of the of the kettle and we are now looking at uh, you know a, more innovation change shift all of these things that equates to better ultimately better lives for the people who live yeah. here we have what's called freedom to pursue Happiness. Not have it. You can pers mm. you go you don't get it for free. No one hands you happiness. Here's your dose of you happiness get to today, pursue Brian. It. Enjoy. Don't take it too many. It is written into our constitution. And and I'll tell you, when I read those words when I was a kid, I had no idea the brilliance behind mm -hmm. the founding fathers of this country where you get no. to pursue happiness. So and that's mm -hmm. because the think about a pursuit. If you're going after anything at all, if there's obstacles in your way, the government, taxes, hardships, all of these things are in your way, the pursuit becomes more difficult. I'll use the analogy of, of a ladder. If I'm standing in America, my ladder has more rungs on right. it, and your ladder has every other rung or maybe every third rung. And I'll tell you, it is. I can sit and climb on that ladder. Now, of course, that ladder is covered in broken glass and barbed wire and all kinds of things that are that are trying to knock me down. And by the way, right above me is someone else stomping on my freaking fingers yeah. and trying to kick me off of this ladder. But you know what? That guy got there first. He got on the ladder before it me. It doesn't make it and unfair. that's okay, too. Right. It doesn't no, mean that, it doesn't. oh, I, I didn't have this, so it's unfair. Bob's ahead of me. You, no, Bob worked his ass. You know what I get to do? I get to grab his yeah. ankles and I get to light his pants on mm -hmm. fire. I get to do all kinds of stuff, whatever I want to do. And that's the beauty of this, of the beauty, the beauty behind capitalism. I feel like I, I, I get this 
a lot where people are like, you know, you have to, you don't have health care and you, you know, you people are bankrupted by this. Yes, that happens. Mm-hmm. Yes, that exists. The country has issues. We have broken systems here. But I believe fully, I will die hard, always say this, that capitalism brings more people out of poverty than any other economic Easily. model on the on the planet. Easily. No one, no one has proved me wrong yet. I, ha- I have been challenged in the DMs on this. People call, they call me out on this. You're a hardcore capitalist. You're, oh. you're, you're like a, one of those guys that scoops up other things and does yeah. this and moves forward. No. This is what brings others along with us. Uh, well, look at the web, me. right? Because like, I get the opportunity to yeah, do it. So, so look at the web that you've created, right? As a, as a very successful business that makes industrial tooling, essentially. We'll, we'll, we'll call it that. It's not just Brian House. It's not just house made. It's maritime knife supply. It's your uh, your factory that's make that's laser cutting the parts. It's all these other industries that you rely on to create what you create, right? That web is bringing the whole entire system up, right? And I think. Folks don't realize that. They don't see that. And somewhere, because of the work that you're doing, some person is able to work a minimum wage job or a you know a, a lower wage job to put food on the table. And they, coincidentally, have the same opportunity as you, right? They could climb that ladder right back up to house-made industries uh, and find their way into the higher end of that spectrum, right? So the web becomes a ladder pretty easily, right? And I think folks forget that. You have to be opportunistic in a capitalist society. You can't sit on your haunches and wait for shit to come to you. It doesn't. It's not going to. You can look You can look at a lot of big companies and see this. Stagnation yeah. is death yeah. now because you're seeing all these other companies that are just like oh I created this thing and you know we built up an economy around it and whatever else and a big customer base yep. and then you got guys like me who no one pays attention to and they and I I disrupt an industry I walk into it I create something I build a following around it I disrupt an entire industry and I do it by empowering my customers yeah. and enabling them to learn new skills and then it becomes an entire economy based on itself yeah. at some point I, I, you know, I don't know what will happen to the work that I'm doing. Hopefully one of my children would decide to take it on or I'll sell it to somebody who is equally as eager to climb the ladder right. or whatever. But the beauty of this system is that I got the opportunity to yeah. do it. Why do you think people are clamoring to get into our borders? Yeah. There is a reason. They, it's not just a grass is always greener concept. No. There are, it is, it is the grass in fact is greener. And we are doing it here because we believe in the system and there are there there's checks in place. There's these little systems in place like our Constitution that keep it working that way. So when you when you wake up in the morning and your your head is resting on a pillow that is in this great nation of the United States, you should be thankful that you woke up here and that you were born here. Because there's so many other people that don't have that same opportunity that want it. So when you're wandering around planet Earth going, well, that guy got that. You could wake up in the fucking Ukraine tomorrow. Right? You could could fucking wake up in a war war zone. Yeah. Yeah. So appreciate what you have. I'm going to just say this right now. 
I love you guys. I love America. And I love, I just love the the fact that we can, we can speak freely about this. And if you're in another country and you're listening to this, this is not, don't take this person. I'm not attacking your country. I am. I am. What I'm doing is I'm touting and I'm selling the fact that we have a good system here and I love it here and I appreciate it. And with that, I am going to say it's a show, gentlemen. We are an hour 34. I appreciate you both. Appreciate you, man. Brian, did we even get to your stuff in the in the workshop? Now I'm thinking about it. I was thinking that earlier, and I thought, oh, they must have done it before I got on. But I was going to ask real quick, Brian. Real quick, what you got going on this week? Hey, so actually, I had. (laughs) Okay, thanks everybody. I love how he's just like, everybody get out there and work for it. See you later, Brian. Brian's waving a freaking American flag over his head with a trumpet and a rifle. I was was about to grab my trombone and start doing the national anthem, but (laughs) it would have been fitting. It really would have. Well, the problem is, is that, you know, the trombone part for the national anthem is just not very. It's a shame you have a tuba, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but anyway, so in my shop, so I, I had talked about in the last podcast that my, you know, my van was all broken down and I couldn't get anywhere and yada, yada. Well, I fixed it, got it up. Got it running. It was an absolute pain in the ass. Uh, what was the being, problem, by the way? It was a fuel filter. And in oh. in the Astro van, the fuel filter is on the line under the van. And I had to, you know, I had to get it over, you know, over to um, Emily's dad's place because he has the, you know, he has the ramp to get it up high enough that we could crawl under it. And oh. I, honest to God, I think so that you it did was, the work yourself. Oh, yeah. Well, Yes, I did. Had help, I did the work. You, I I had help with you know Emily's dad also helped. But let me I, ask you something: Did you use the old trick where you use a pair of uh, like um, vice grips to, to to pinch off the gas tank so fuel doesn't like flow out when you t- pull this thing off? Or so how, how'd you plug the, the lines? Line? The lines were metal, so I couldn't do that. Oh, and metal lines. Okay. so the problem was is I honest to God think that it may have been the original fuel filter. Because it was so goddamn rusted wow. and like yeah. the, the bolts were rusted in place. I, I covered Whoa. it with um, WD-40 and PB Blaster and like it took so long. And, you know, Emily's dad is an absolute behemoth. He was a logger like he was he was a logger from the UP and he is a hulking man. And he was under there wrenching on these things. We we actually ended up stripping one of the the uh, bolts. Literally, the corners of the bolts were rounded over how hard yeah. we're, you know. And you can't grind them things. off because you're going to throw sparks. Exactly. And it's gasoline a gasoline everywhere. <laughs> yeah, you can't. So, yeah, so eventually, eventually, I mean, after a couple hours of wrenching on this thing, we finally got it apart and were able to switch it out. And it runs like a dream now. So I am back working in the shop. Um so I'm. I actually, you know, I finished up that giant batch. I oh shoot, I had that. Remember that giant batch I was working on, and I, I was putting way too much on, and I find. Yep. Yes. I, I finished that, and I've, I'm starting on a new batch of 15. Uh, <laughs> Are you serious? Nice. Well, you're no. doing so this again. Here's the deal. So I'm working on 10. I'm working on 10. What I'm actually doing, and then I did five more out of um, um, um what's that new steel? Magnacut. Ooh, so I, I've, I've, I have five knives out of Magna Cut that I'm going to have to take over to Matt Gentry's shop to heat treat. Mm-hmm. So that is like there those. Yes, technically, I'm working on 15, but only 10 of them. I'm actually working all the way through until I get over to, you know, heat treat that Magna Cut. I, what's the. But, but wait yeah. a minute. Hold on a second. I want to ask you a question because you've you've shown on social media that you and TR Maker you you. So basically what you've done 
is you're creating a, li- a line of knives that are in a lower cost bracket because yes. you're not handling them as, as much. So you've created uh, essentially a line of stainless knives that are coming out uh, or maybe they're already out. I don't know. And you've basically figured out how to have like a sort of a flagship chef knife that's not going to take you a ton of time to work on so you can offer it at Affordable. a lower price. How is that working out, by the way? I want, I'm want i curious from a business standpoint. I am too. Does Do you find that it's giving you sales and helping with cash flow? or like, So my stainless production knives, I am still waiting for the G10 to come in. I ordered it and it just is taking forever. And I'm not going to say which company. Lawrence, you know, he sells I know, G10. I know. I'm I'm going to be switching over. Don't worry. Right, I'm going right. to be switching. You should be waiting super. for this. So I've been. Lawrence will get it out today. I've been looking at something similar, right? Because I, I'm no freaking knife maker, right? But for the project with the brass and the aluminum cutting on the, on the shop bot, I'm looking at, can I manufacture a case for a folding knife on the CNC? You know, uh, Aaron Goff style. Absolutely. And uh, then buy the damn blades, basically ready to go, you know, sharpen them up and pop them in, man. So uh, I'm a long way from that point. Don't get me wrong. But um, I think that's so cool that that exists. Yeah. So getting back to my production line. So, yes, they are significantly less expensive than what I would make a handmade knife out of. And I'm doing a significant less amount of work on it. It's still my design. It's still built to my preferences. It's, it's my exact design. It's, it's exactly what I would be able to make, except, you know, TR maker is handling 80% of the work, probably maybe not quite 80, probably closer to 75% of the work. Basically. So we're clear here. It's your design. It's my design. It's built to my specs. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So but I, I helped you with the CAD work. So yes, I know, I know for a fact that it's your design because I used photographs from your work where you custom designed a knife by hand mm-hmm. and then sent me the pictures. And then I just made the the template piece right. and then sent it back to you. So this is an original Brian Cone knife. But what I love about this concept is that it's going to be a cash flow for you so that you can continue making custom knives and st- not worry so much about the money side exactly. of things. You'll be able to upgrade your tooling, upgrade your workshop, keep that thing flowing, and you've got this line of B-cone knives that are custom knives coming out, uh, or custom to you, which you designed, and, and but you can customize the handles. Which yeah, exactly. So here's the thing. So, concept, well, here, I love this concept, Brian. Here's a question, right? So I was listening to... Our buddies over at the Hustle and Grind podcast. It was maybe two episodes ago, maybe the last episode, I don't remember. They had a little conversation about um, custom knife makers. And I think they took it to the extreme of like guys that buy a kit and put the knife together versus yeah. people who, you know, soup to nuts build the knife. Um, I see both sides do, of the argument. I listened to that too. I listened to you that. You did. As well. Okay, good. <clears throat> but see, Brian, I don't feel I like, don't either. I don't feel like Brian can fall into that category really because the the concept here 
and this from a strictly from a business standpoint is every business needs cash flow. Yep. You have to have an and when I say flow, think of a river. Yeah. It's coming down from somewhere. Every day some it's money needs hitting to your in. piece of property. <laughs> right? Like Yeah, it's hitting your piece of property and it's flowing back out. And in that process, you hope to pull a little profit out so that you can keep going. Cash flow is like king in business. And if you're constantly making custom one-off knife pieces, that can severely impede the ability for flow because they, they take a long time and you're working with customers directly. So that I I think you can do a blend here's, of this and still call yourself a knife maker. That's here's the thing. So here's here's the real reason why I wanted to do this line is because I – I have had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of conversations with people who design a knife with me. And basically they say, oh, what's this knife going to cost? And I say, oh, well, it depends on the size, the shape, the materials, the yada, yada, yada. And I sit down and I do the full conversation with them. Okay, you want this steel, you want this design, you want this customization on this part of it, all the way down to the materials. And then I get to the price because then I can give them an accurate price. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, I quote them the price of my handmade custom knife and they say, oh, wow, that's significantly more than I expected. I can't really afford that. Well, now basically, they can't, they can't like the, for instance, with my chef knives, they can't afford the four, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollar chef knife that I can make. So here, here's an option. It's literally 80% this, or no, it is exactly that same design. It's the same you know, usability. It's stainless steel. So, you know, most of those people also, you know, if they're buying a cheaper knife, they don't really want to baby it. And this still isn't a cheap knife, but it's not right. the, the high end custom. But they can still get a little bit of customization in the handle. But I can now be like, oh well, if you can't do this four, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollar knife, how about the, this two hundred dollar knife? That's almost exactly what you want. But you know, you you can still get that customization. But now it's in your price range. You're and giving I, them options. Yeah. See, right, they, and that's that's what I love about this is that <clears throat> you're falling into the same problem a lot of custom knife makers fall into and that's the, just simply the customer management side of things which by the way you need to automate that shit like get it get it up on your website where you can select the steels and all that and they can get a ballpark uh you could do that on your website fairly easy yeah. but i i think when you tell somebody hey it's going to be 700 dollars, let's say i don't even know how much your knives cost but 700 let's use 700 as a as an example and they go holy shit like oh my god like that's a lot of money and whatever and then you say, well, we can make a similar blade. You know, I have these over here that are already pre-cut and ground. And there's a lot, a lot. I took, you know, we take the uh, the, the handwork out of it a little bit, but it's still uh, a, one of my pieces. And you get to pick the handle material and everything else. And I could get it to you significantly faster. And for, let's say, uh, one third of the cost, people are going to go, oh, yeah, I want to do that. They spent all this time working with you on something. And then they find out that there's a less expensive option. It's a fantastic thing. And then you're still going to get the people that go yeah. 700 bucks. That's cool. I'll pay it. No problem. Yep. Right. And that's the thing is like, and that's the thing is like the people who are out there that want that high end, you know, real custom exactly to their specs, exactly to their material. Like there's always going to be those people. I'm just also, you know, giving people the option there. I'm basically widening my net to, you know, include all of the people that say, oh, well, I'll have to get back to you and save up, yeah. you know, type of a thing. 
Because yeah, as, soon awesome, as, as soon as someone says, hey, I'll have to get back to you or I'll have to talk to my wife about this. Yeah, that's that's gone. Yeah. They gone. <laughs> I never they hear to them. That deal is dead. Well, I never you, hear right. from those people ever again. If you ever want to <laughs> play around, be going on making um, making sort of a custom order page on your Squarespace site. Let me know. I've been playing a lot with Squarespace and I, I think you could totally do it where you... You know, you have multiple options and folks can sort of design a knife with with a series of options. Wouldn't Here, guys. you can open this up to you could open this up to different profiles. Yeah. You've only got one right now. But yeah, you this can is make my starter EDC run. version of this and all my, that. So my EDC three my EDC three oh the the five production that I the stainless steel ones. Yeah. Forty eight hours they're gone. All of them? All of them. Awesome. Fucking order! Wow, you sold all of those? Oh, dude. All right. Well, then you know the model works. Yeah, Yeah, it absolutely does. And it's yeah, no shame in that game. I'll tell you what. That's that's amazing, dude. Nice work. Okay, guys, we're at a minute or an hour and forty six minutes in. I think we need to hit at least one WFI projects a piece before we roll out of here. Oh Oh, yes, good call. I'll go ahead and start it off while you guys are looking. How did I forget about this? While you guys are looking, I'll I'll start it off with the first one. So I have Hauser Hauser H A U S E R Industries from Hawthorne, Hawthorne, New Jersey. He's got this uh, kitchen knife that he's been working on. Um, it's 1084 high carbon steel. It's got red oak and walnut alternating, like a almost like a stripe pattern in the handle. Super interesting. I love that look. Um. So yeah, he's. It looks like he is. You know making some pretty decent blades and it is a really cool looking you know really cool looking knife i love that handle and uh go check them out hosser industries i am going to call out mayberry metalworks mayberry metalworks uh he's got a photo of himself grinding on the best two by 72 belt grinder (laughs) that has ever graced the presence of any knife maker in the world the revolution gen 4 his build is super sick too, by the way. And um, Mayberry Metalworks, all one word on Instagram. And he quotes Sam Walton, which I also love. He says, if you love your work, you'll be out there every day trying to do it the best you possibly can. And pretty soon, everyone around you will catch the passion from you like a fever. Yes, baby. I love it. Hang on, I got to get through all the bikini women here. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will say when I opened up WFI projects, like the top 10 in here are all Carol Ann Jeanette uh, Racine. <laughs> nice. They're all her. It's like all wooden she spoons. She takes like, such I'm just good wooden photos. Spoon. By the way, and, by the way, I love that, by the way. It's great. Please, Carol Ann, please keep yeah. doing it. It's so great because she's getting so much traction on Instagram. It's the fan, most fantastic thing. Because yeah. when she, we started working with her on here, she had what, like she didn't have like hundred, a couple hundred, I, I think. I mean, she was. I, that's what I think too. Where's she at now? I'm oh my god, she's, she's at, at 18, a, 1800. 1864. In a world where so she growing is killing on Instagram, Alberta, sucks. Canada. Yeah, we should have her on the fucking show. Honestly, we should. Yeah, have. we should. Really yeah, should. Carol Ann, if you're listening to this, let us know if if you have the means to do it. You just need a laptop yeah. with a microphone and some headphones. Walrus headphones are key. Walrus Steel. Walrus so. Steel made a a hot stamp maker's <laughs> mark um, from Buckeye. I guess he got it from Buckeye Engraving. 
It's a pretty badass looking uh, hot stamp. His logo is It sick. really is, yeah. Yeah, it is. I can't wait to see that stamped into hot steel, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Absolutely. He actually, I, I talked to him. He asked me where I got my hands, uh, my hot stamp done. And I told him, hey, go somewhere else a little bit more local. Because mine was just like, I saw an ad on Facebook for hot stamps. I was like, oh, let me go ahead and look at this. And yeah. I ended up ordering it. And it got to, like, it. to be fair, it got to me and it's exactly what I wanted. But it came from Pakistan. Yeah. So uh, there was a very good chance I was going to get scammed on that. I'm just lucky I rolled the dice on that one and actually I got, got one from Russia actually like a few years ago. It was pretty good. It was a, in pretty good shape. I I was totally a noob. I didn't know about Buckeye. I didn't know about any of it. So yeah. I just ordered it. Yeah. That was, it was on me. Etsy. <clears throat> it was from Etsy. Yeah, that, I think that oh. certainly they're out there. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, hey, uh Brian don't we have like a, a sponsor on this show? Should we uh, bring them up before we head out? Scaratime. Who? Maritime? Maritime Knife Supply. We talked about that. MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. I mean, I've already, we've already really gotten into it, it talked about him a lot, but I'll tell you what. Yes, he is an official sponsor of the Work For podcast because we fully believe in what Lawrence is doing at MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. You can get everything, everything, and I mean Every- everything you need to you build a knife. You get knife making fucking from underwear from at Maritime Knife Supply. <laughs> you could you could make anything including underwear from the stuff that Lawrence sells on his website and, and you know how I like those he's in Canada chainmail underwear and it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't matter he'll ship it across the border and it doesn't cost yeah. you an extra dime at all it's the same fees all the same stuff and you get to take advantage of the Canadian to the USD conversion yeah. rate and I'll tell you he's an awesome guy to work with he works hard he has good luck and he works for it every day, which is the reason why we decided to partner with him. That's the reason why. Our reputation is so important. We just we love working with you, Lawrence. Thank you so much. Airtimenightsupply.com. Yeah, Go check it out. He's got all kinds of stuff on his website. And I'll tell you what, boys, this was an awesome episode. I Loved love it. just hanging out it with was. you guys. Not that I don't love it, having guests on, but I'll tell you what, man. Hour 52. Hour 52. It does not feel like that no, at all. It feels like we had a little great bit. time. It's been a, mi- been a minute so. since we did just the trio. It's, it's, I, I like get Triple B. center back, you know, get centered again, back to the boys every now and then. It's good. We got guests coming up in the next couple weeks, I think, but always good to get the boys. On, on. the next episode, we're going to talk in at length about the, the knife build that we're going to do, sponsored by MaritimeKnifeSupply.com because we have all the equipment and the, the things that we need to make it thanks to them. Yep. And where that sponsor, because we're going to auction that knife off at the very that's end right, of that that's build. Right, that's right. And the money for that is going to go to a listener uh, that has a charity. So that that will be on the next episode. We'll talk about that when we have Chris on uh, and we'll get into that deep dive of that. But uh, yeah, we're going to actually auction that knife off. So uh, I was going to say, be... I, I have to turn down the volume on the music if you're going to talk about that. But All right, real quick. I, You know what? Hey, like, what, why not? So, Lawrence, I, I came up with a concept. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I came up with a concept of us doing a collaboration knife. We've talked about this in the past. We we're going to do this with the shop scalpel. It never happened and whatever. I mean, I have a whole shit ton of shop scalpels sitting in my you shop that's just not finished. You put some in the finished. box that you send with the maritime stuff. I gotta. Yeah. I have it, them all yeah. ground down. I might as well. So, um, so uh, Lawrence said, "Sure." He sent us everything we need to make the knife, 
And so even uh, all the way down to like some belts and some sandpaper and all kinds of stuff. G-10. And a grinder. Yeah, it's so great. Yeah. <laughs> no grinder. Some generic no-name grinder. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so I'm going to make a Damascus billet. I'm going to be using the Clark Iron Forge 25-ton forging press. We're going to make that Damascus billet, and I'm going to pri- uh, uh, make the knife uh, sort of, you know, shape and everything, and then send it off to Brian. He's going to finish the grind and all of that, the heat treat and all that, and then um, and then uh, he's going to send that off to Ben, and Ben's going to do either a saya or a leather sheath or yep. something along those lines. So all three of our hands will have worked on this piece. You get all and of then, our hands when it is complete, on your blade. All of our DNA all over this blade. And uh, and <laughs> and uh, and then at the very end, when it's done, we're going to um, auction it off for a very cool. Uh, I, I don't know the official name, but what this listener does, and he's been a follower of my work for more than almost five years now, is he go. He's actually in Kiev right now in the Ukraine, and he is um, uh, supplying medical supplies and other things to hospitals and schools to try to keep so the Ukraine. Awesome. Um, going so and he messaged me about this not knowing about the knife project he didn't even know he was just said hey can you help me out and share this so we're going to do you one better we're going to make a knife auction it off and then uh, donate the money so that and what what I love about this is when we send him the money it goes right into buying medical supplies it's not going to go through some 501c3 there's no middleman somebody's taking no middleman it's going right to buying band-aids and um, I asked him if we uh, <laughs> exactly. I asked him if we could buy some ammunition because that's what I was. Right. You know, I, I, yeah, but at the same time, I have to set that aside. But uh, I'll tell you, just being able to put food and water and, uh, and and medical supplies in the hands of the people that need it, the beautiful people of the Ukraine. We are going to do that on our own way right here on the work for a podcast to make that happen. Yes. So that's that's the next step. a plea to everybody. And I. Um, when we had the episode uh, talking specifically about Ukraine, um, I remember one of the things that came up was the fact that um, it, we encourage everybody to keep talking about it, right? To keep the topic of yes. Ukraine in conversation, in our thoughts, all of that. And you've already, maybe folks haven't realized it, but I, I said to my wife the other day, I said, exactly what the what was predicted would happen is happening right because we aren't keeping it in conversation because we aren't keeping these people in our thoughts and in our actions fucking will smith is taking center stage instead of people being persecuted <laughs> you know well this is what happens literal, literal fucking genocide yeah yep. yeah and and so don't be apathetic you know, use your your dollars to to uh, work with this auction, and that money will go yeah. to helping the war effort, and in my opinion, the right side of the war effort. And uh, and you're right, uh, w- apathy sets in because that's na- that's natural for us as human beings. We you know, of course, hate the fact that this is occurring, so it's easier to tune it out right. rather than to give it any emotional context inside of Can't our heads. But if you sit still. And you let tyranny work like this, then then you're just as guilty as the person who is pulling the trigger. So don't do that. 
you know, keep it in your forefront, help how you can. I'm not asking you to, you know, go change your life and go join the army or anything. I'm just saying, or, or do, how can you help? Yeah. The yeah, thing I mean, that, what, the thing that really hit me and part of it was the podcast, you know, talking to Eugene, you know, it was, it was humbling and it was like, you know, give you goosebumps and all that. And then I, I also went to this March here in Mount Pleasant where yeah. basically it was, it was a bunch of people in, it was a bunch of students and you know there's actually the the people who started it was students who went to central or go are going to central michigan that are from the ukraine and um basically oh, wow. it was i mean half of the people like speak ukrainian that walked in the thing like it was a lot of oh, a lot of the man. people that were there are either first first generation americans or move move themselves here and um I talked to a couple of them and like just hearing the gut wrenching, like they're, they're, you know, one of them, their uncle was fighting in this place and their other uncle is over here and their cousins were, you know, fighting here. And I mean, I talked to some people who had, you know, family members die and, you know, people who were caught in blast and were civilians. And it's like, it's, it just is absolutely gut wrenching. And yeah. I mean, I don't have much money and I donated what I could yeah. and it, it just feels like we need to do more. And it's just, it's just at the, the absolute scummery that's going yep. on over there, the war crimes, the, the, uh, I, we could get into it, but yep. you know, it is what if it is. If you don't have, we're doing our part. Yeah, that's the if you don't have part. a penny, we're doing right, what we can. if you don't have a penny to give, bring it up in five conversations a day or two conversations a day. And that's it, that, worth, that's that's worth, worth it. Believe it or not, that, yeah. that will help. Right. <laughs> and now we're ending on a downer. Yeah. <laughs> ah. <clears throat> All right, Brian, hit that music because I'll tell you what, I'm feeling it. I got to get back to Woo! work. I got a bunch of stuff I got to do today. Cut me some brass, baby. Let's listen, get into your workshop, go make something. And then do something with that thing and make something else. And know that you are doing the things you should be doing with your time. And that's learning new skill sets and making the world a better place. Guys, have a great working week moving forward. I appreciate you as always. My name is Brian House and you're listening to the Work For It Podcast. Work For It, baby! (laughs) Work For It! Two hours! Two hours! Come on, man! Bonus. Give the people what they want. <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on! I forgot how long this exit music is. Wow, 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 wow. <gasps> See you guys. Good. Goodbye. Bye. 